fine. Okay, perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine. 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 You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, where we recognize that everything is not at all fine, discuss what we can do about it, and empower you to connect with your community. So welcome to the show, Leah Perkle, who is a candidate running for Vancouver City Council position number six. Thank you. Out of all the people we've interviewed, like you are the person I have more most, um, you're, you're the person I know the best and you're the person I'm like supporting from the, the jump. I don't need to go through the interview process because um, we've known each other for a bit. Um, this 2020, 2020. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking the, uh, Bernie, Bernie 2020. Yeah. Cause I, I used to, I used to hit like the things you were organizing in the middle of the day. And then I used to go over and canvas again. Um, Sydney, Sydney Bromover had some stuff going on. So I, I canvassed twice for Bernie in a day. Um, and then Jesse's stuff was also in 2020 and that's, it's yes. crazy. That, yep. was a, that was a wild year. Um, <laughs> but anyway, why, like, I know you as, like, kind of the ultimate activist. You are the, you and Steve are the people who are, like, the best at going out and hitting doors. And the people, like, you, doesn't matter who you are, like, having you on the team is going to be a huge benefit. What makes you, like, want to, you, you've been an activist. You have been supporting candidates. What makes you want to be a candidate yourself now and, like, actually take that next step into running for a position? So what actually um, got me really interested was actually Kim Harless. Um, We met one night having ciders and um, she's like, I really need another voice there with me. I feel like I'm being drowned out. And then when I went to the city council meeting and Sarah Fox voted against the third state safe home and caved to the, uh, the, the businesses down there, that's when I decided to run. I want to be the voice for the people. The housing is the high rise of rent and not even being able to buy a home on minimum wage. No. I mean, you have to make $30 an hour. A lot of people, even people I work with, aren't making that much. Oh, no. And that that hits Carissa and I both very close to home as well. Well, I guess I, I'd say you, you touch on a couple things that are part of two different questions that I had. But I'll, I'll start with the first one. I've actually got this question from a few people um, leading up to me telling some, some people that we'd be interviewing you. Um, so... First of all, Bart Hansen, who is, from my understanding, the most conservative member of the Vancouver City Council, is also up for re-election. Uh, according to the city of Vancouver's website, he is the current executive director of the Building Industry Association of Clark County, which like shocked the hell out of me that you could just be that while you're also a council member. But obviously, I find that to be a huge conflict of interest. Um, and he's running unopposed. So a lot of and I think you did just touch on that a little bit. But a lot of people are wondering why uh, you are looking to unseat Sarah Fox rather than um, Bart Hansen. So what would be your reasoning behind that? Well, first of all, he's very popular, unfortunately. Um, I haven't been in. I haven't ran before for this kind of position. And Sarah Fox actually votes pretty much almost lockstep with um, Bart Hansen. She votes very conservative. She really... In all honesty, if we look, I, so I went and looked back at 2019 when she ran 
There were four Democrats, her and Jeannie Stewart. She slid in there because the four Democrats canceled each other out. So she's not a Democrat. She won't say she's a Democrat. She runs as a conservative, independent, whatever she she wants to call herself. So she's also a conservative city council member. And given the odds, you feel like she'd be the easiest to unseat. Is that a good? uh... That would be. Yeah, I think she'd be she'll be easier to unseat. People don't really know her. I figured she would be a better candidate to go against. Again, she's not a Democrat and I am. And I, and anybody who knows the city, it's pretty blue. I'm in the 49th where it's very blue. Um, so also in researching this, I found out some other shocking details that I found to be shocking just about the, the, the city council. Um, I learned that Vancouver city council members are only compensated $27,000 a year. So to me, this means uh, you must either be wealthy, have a wealthy spouse, or must have a second job to survive while being a council member. Um, uh, actually, Kim Harless told me this as well, uh, that you know, being a good and effective council member is a full-time job on its own. Um, so this gave me some clarity as to why it's difficult to find candidates for local office, office in general, and then also why members of the working class and diverse voices in local positions of power are so few and far between, because they're pretty much barred from holding office with this type of compensation. So kind of two parts to this question, just like, what do you think about all that? And then also like, um, why can we believe that you will be an unapologetic advocate for the poor, the working class, and the most vulnerable in our community should you be elected? Well, um, it is a part-time job. And so um, I've actually for a long time been involved with a lot of the local organizations. I'm very involved with um, a big supporter of Hector Idahosa in his tiny homes and Stone Soup. So we've become, we've been really good friends. Um, me and my husband have been strong volunteers for um, the WHO, which is the winter um, hospitality overflow, the men's shelter. We do that every year. That's I mean, it's, it's a passion of mine that that's a program that is actually working. It's getting men off the streets into jobs, getting them counseling, getting them to their first department. So it's been really good. I really wish there were more women programs that were doing as good a job. There may be, I don't know. I haven't, I don't know of any, Um, but the, that's one of the reasons. And we've actually, me and my husband, we really are selective on the candidates that we help. Um, I am really disheartened that I supported a form a, a candidate who just won for congressional race. If I would have known what I know now, I probably would not have done that. Um, I am in a household where we are going to be strongly affected by the student loan debt forgiveness because we're the ones that are carrying our kids as student loans. Um, I don't know if people are aware of this, but if you make too much, the burden falls on the parents. So we we had to take the loans out in our names in order for our children to get a college education. And so we're not elitist. We're average working parents wanting to put our kids to get them through college. So, but we do work with a lot of local organizations, food bank, um, anything that I can find to help people out. We're strong supporters of people getting housing. It's a big issue for me. I feel like there's a lot of 
wealthy people that feel like these people don't deserve a roof over their heads and we need to get them off the streets and out of the tents and into homes. I think the stay safe home is a beginning, but it's not a permanent. So I'm hoping that we can get them to there. And then you've got, we need more people like Hector building those tiny homes and getting them into those homes. Um, I don't, I don't feel like the city's doing enough in forcing the developers to build affordable housing. So we would, we'd really be fighting for people um, with affordable housing. I'm also running on um, family wage jobs. Jobs are not keeping up with the demand of the high rent and cost of living. Okay. So this makes me want to jump to this next question because you keep bringing this up. So this is um, getting me excited. Okay. So, um, I'll just say I'm a huge fan of Seattle City Council member Shama Sawant. I am as well. <laughs> yes, I, that's what I figured. Um, she's best, for those two who don't know, she's probably best known for leading the fight for the $15 minimum wage for businesses with over 500 employees in Seattle back in 2015. When no one thought it would work, there was huge fear-mongering that it would cause the mass shuttering of businesses, but it turned out to be largely successful. And then this, of course, turned around and inspired Bernie's Bernie Sanders' uh, $15 federal minimum wage policy and currently Washington State's minimum wage is $15.74. But however, MIT has calculated that the living wage for Clark County for a single person is $21 per hour. And that number goes up if you have children. So what I've been really frustrated with is the discourse about needing jobs on this side of the river, family wage jobs, but no one wants to talk about stipulating that they are family family wage jobs, um, that they do pay a living wage. So um, I believe we should first bring people back over to this side by requiring the businesses that are already here pay a living wage to our residents before we go permitting more cor corporations to come in and destroy more of our land with giving little benefit back to us. So, um, you know, also principally, I believe if a business can't pay a living wage, then it shouldn't exist. So anyhow, as a council member, would you advocate for Vancouver adopting perhaps a 20, $21 an hour minimum wage for businesses with over 500 employees or a similar policy? Yes. Very cool. <laughs> I don't even think 21 is enough. I think it should be higher, but we have to start somewhere. But yeah. I personally think it should be $30, 25 to $30 an hour. Yeah, 21 is enough for a single person in a good situation to scrape by. And yeah. that's where I am right now. So and yeah. is, yeah. is this something that is, as far as you know, is even like being whispered about or talked about no. even being a reality? So like you running could possibly you could be a trail a trailblazer for this policy and possibly like get momentum on this thing. I think the one person I could get on board would be Kim Harless. It would be okay. me and her working to get, I think Ty Stover might be persu uh, persuadable. Um, Bart, I don't think so much, but I think if you got me, if I got, if when I get elected and me and Kim work together, we can work and try to get the rest do the best we can to find the city council members that would be willing to join us in that fight. And with a huge grassroots effort, be a lot easier to convince those council members. Okay. That's really cool. Cool to hear. <laughs> I was like, am I just going to be coming out of left field with this question or nope. yeah, that's nope. really, nope. really exciting to hear. Um, okay. Uh, cool. So 
Uh, I'd like to move on to a recent article in the Columbian regarding the Vancouver Police Department. Um, so recently, the Columbian covered um, the VPD's continued struggle with hiring that has been going on for the last five years. Uh, they cited a shift in the public's view of policing as being one of the culprits in this lack of interest in the job, despite a ten dollars to $25,000 hiring bonus, depending on experience, a starting salary of $80,000, and great health insurance. Just blows my mind. Um, seeing as how we can't even get police officers on the force, along with people in the community having legitimate concerns over policing being a historical tool of systemic racism and for targeting the poor, um, wouldn't now be a great time to look into a cahoot style program like the one that has been so successful in Eugene. I know that you guys were just talking about how you uh, worked on Jesse James's campaign. And I know that that was a big, um, a, a, a big proposal of his. Um, and then maybe before you answer that, I'll just explain what that, what the cahoots program is for those who don't know. So um it's just a community-based public safety system to provide mental health first response for crises involving mental illness, homelessness, and addiction rather than a police response. And it's been hailed as being a cost saver to taxpayers versus a traditional policing system. So yeah, I would you be supportive of this type of program on the council? Yes, I'm actually um, working with a group called Coove Collective down on 13th, which is close to the homeless camp, which I didn't even know they were there until my friend Rhonda Walker um, connected me with them. And um, that is something that they're concerned about because we need to stop sending police officers to nonviolent um, calls. We need to be sending people that like social workers, I am complete support of the coots. Me and Jesse talked extensively about that. And that was one of the reasons why I liked that he was running. And one of the reasons we supported him because I'm, I'm not, I, I know that we need police in circumstances, but we don't need them in all circumstances. We need to find a solution. And yes, I would support the coots and it actually saves it from my understanding from the research, it saves lives and it saves money. Exactly. Like right now just seems like the perfect like set of circumstances because yeah, it's like you have a demonstrated program, um, you know, in Eugene that shows that it saves money. We can't get cops on the force anyways, you know, and then it, it appeases people that have concerns. It's, I feel like it would just make everybody happy. And like, now's the time to, to jump on that and to, um, yeah, to make some big change, um, in that area. So anyhow, moving on, um, my next question is, uh, what are your thoughts on the warehouse moratorium as well as uh, the Vancouver City Council's choice, as I understand, to compromise with corporate interests in amending the floor space threshold from 100,000 uh, square feet to 250,000 square feet? Um, which allowed quite a few warehouses to slip through the cracks and start setting up shop. Um, so yeah, just what are your the, your thoughts generally on that situation, I guess. So I'm glad you asked that question. So I, I was actually at the city council meeting on Monday when they actually took the advice of the staff to extend it for another six, the moratorium for another six months. One of those, one of the warehouses would actually impact my neighborhood and Fruit Valley. Um, a lot of people are really, really upset. They want to put a large warehouse like Amazon style warehouse 
down right next to Fruit Valley School in next to Wetlands and by Vancouver Lake. According to our Port Commissioner, Vancouver Port Commissioner Don Orange, the pollution level is already high down there, and this would even increase it. So they want to stick it down in a low-income area area next to a school, an elementary school. So I'm actually one of the, I'm working with people here in my community to fight against that. It is, the staff actually has done their research, the city council staff, I should say. And according to their research, it would bring a short amount of, uh, it would be short-term jobs. And then once the construction was completed, it would be only a, a handful of jobs would it provide. So to me, I think we need to do everything we can to stop those warehouses. Actually, I'm, I'm actually against those warehouses go, coming in here because they won't bring family wage jobs. They won't be union and they're just going to destroy our environment. The other thing about the warehouse, if they put it in our neighborhood, it's going to increase traffic, which more pollution, more traffic through the neighborhoods. And it, I think it would just destroy the our, we have a really beautiful neighborhood. It's very walkable. We're right up above Vancouver Lake. So I'm I'm pushing that they don't let them move forward. Um. So that is that the Prologis Park? Yeah, Prologis Park. And actually, me and my husband took the time to go over to the one over at Delta Park. It's basically an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> that was going to be you go, if We actually have pictures of it. If you go to that warehouse... It says ProLogic, but on every one of the warehouses, there's a big Amazon sign. Right. So are you in opposition to Amazon coming into our community then? And why? Yeah. <laughs> I am because they don't bring because be? they don't bring family wage union jobs. I'm a strong union supporter. I grew up in a in a household where my dad was a union member. He was a pipe fitter for local 290. My husband, when most of our marriage was a union worker in a warehouse. They bring family wage jobs. They give you give their employees good benefits. Amazon, I will be honest with you, I am supporting Chris Small and him wanting to unionize all Amazons. Hell yeah. Shout out Chris Small. Hell yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I've been following him since I found out about him, and that's been quite a while. And it just appalls me. I'm just appalled at the fact that Jeff Bezos is allowed to do what he's doing to these employees and bullying them and bringing, and the fact that they're bringing police onto the property. And it's just, I'm not a big supporter. If Amazon was willing to bring, to pay union wage jobs and unionize, then I'd be okay with that, but they're not. So we were related. Um, we actually interviewed um, Rebecca small, a while back, Sydney and I, um, we were elated when we heard news of the passage of one of the boldest climate action frameworks in the country by the Vancouver City Council some months ago. But now we're seeing issues with implementation. First, it is only slated to be part of the city's comprehensive plan update, which won't be finished and go into effect until 2025. And the transportation system plan, which has an unknown completion date. Um, so there are all kinds of new development projects going up right now. I'm sure you and listeners see them everywhere, um, including the warehouses, um, that are current, that currently are not subject to compliance with the climate action framework. So we're digging ourselves a bigger hole with the greenhouse gas emissions, which will make it even harder to meet these ambitious goals that were set. 
Um, local environmental advocate Peter Fells has proposed that the city council adopt a measure stating that, quote, all development plans submitted for approval pursuant to the Vancouver Municipal Code shall be reviewed for compliance with the goals of the CAF. Any plan which may be inconsistent with the, the CAF shall be required to provide evidence the project will not add to overall city GHG emiss emissions or negatively impact overburdened communities. So, first of all, I hope this measure gets adopted long before you get elected because hopefully it gets, you know, taken up right away. But do you support it? And then, you know, what are your thoughts on the situation and climate action in general? Well, I support what Peter's saying because I've actually been longtime friends with Peter. He lives in my neighborhood. Um, and it's been brought to my attention from Heidi Cody that the municipal code currently, as it stands, does not um, enforce builder developers and builders to add solar panels, electric heat pumps, or charging stations. So how are you going to have a strong climate action plan if you've got this municipal code sitting there and the developers aren't going to be forced to make those changes? So I'm hoping we put pressure on them to change that municipal code. As of right now, there's nothing on the books for a discussion on that. I don't know if you're aware of that. I have not heard of any meetings coming up that they're discussing the municipal code. I think 2025 is way too late. We need to be, they need to be changing it now because there's going to be a lot of development between now and 2025 and a lot of destruction can be done between now and then. There's no charging stations downtown. The mayor has made excuses as to why. I've talked to Don Orange. There's no reason why they shouldn't have been able to put charging stations down there. There's no solar panels on the waterfront. There's no green space at all. So I'm hoping that it doesn't, it doesn't sit there until I become a city council member because it needs to be done now. But we're going to have – that's one of the reasons I'm going to be going to the community forum that's one of the topics because on June 12th, they're going to have the, another one of their community forums where you can talk about anything. Oh, the main wow. subject is going to be housing, but you will be able to sit down with your city council members and talk about issues that you're concerned about. You mean the the community forum they changed so there was like four times a year? That yeah, there's one coming up on June 12th. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, they don't tell that. Do, they don't tell you about that, do they? <laughs> I have to go onto the city council website every single week to find out what's coming up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, admittedly, I, ha I haven't like been hyper. I've been following all the crazy County stuff. So, you know, I could have missed it, but, but yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I'd love to attend that as well. Um, hopefully listeners will attend as well. Um, yeah. So I'm encouraging the, the people that I'm working with in the community that, do a lot of good for the homeless and different people, people in the environment. I'm encouraging them to come to that, that um, public for that community forum so they can get a chance and opportunity. I'd like to have people at every one of the tables bringing up subjects like climate, because we need to be, be putting pressure on them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I so mean, I let's look at New York right now. Let's look at New York. What's going on right now. That was just two years ago. That's bad. Those wildfires in Canada are bad. We're not changing things if we don't start moving forward now. 
Oh yeah, no, like the I you don't even have to go to you don't even have to go farther than like where we were last year. Um and have been for years, like since at least since the Eagle Creek fire, like I have been constantly stressed every summer. Is this the year my family's house burns down? I know. I think we all feel that way. And the temperatures just keep getting hotter and hotter. I mean, the last couple of years, they've just increased tremendously. I mean, people's gardens get destroyed because of the hot weather. I mean, we can't even grow. I mean, our garden last year, we lost several plants because of the, the heat. Yeah. So, and at the same time, like we're going in the exact wrong direction here. Yep. It's like we're putting up all these warehouses. We're doing all this development in the dumbest places. Like, you know, and it's always like, oh, well, we need housing. This is going to make, this is going to be affordable housing, you know, and then, you know, oh, all these people are coming. So we need these jobs for that. But then once again, it's like, it, it just seems like this is like a, a money-making venture as far as housing and then, and, and businesses coming in. It's not like, I don't know, there's just no like grand plan. And at the same time, like this is also the time that, you know, we should be preserving our ag lands as much as possible. Yes. Well, exactly. But they're coming for those too. And it's just like, we need to reckon with the science and we need to like, we need to not do business as usual. And that's, that's where we're at right now. And it's, it's really frightening. I think a lot of people are, are just frightened at how, how much our city and County is, is changing how quickly and how it's just absolutely in the wrong direction. So, so yeah. yeah so the warehouse down here would be, I mean, to be right next to the wetlands. Imagine what it's going to do to those wetlands. And the thing is, so one of the things me and Hector have talked about, we could be taking those large pieces of land and putting small homes with solar panels and, and electric heat pumps. Yeah. That's what we should be doing with that land, not building gigantic warehouses that are going to bring very few jobs. And I'm all about bringing jobs to the community. Don't get me wrong, but they've got to be jobs. They're going to be paying that are, I would prefer them to be union jobs. With unions, you're guaranteed you're going to get decent wages. You're going to get fair wages. You're going to get good benefits, good medical. And yeah. again, we need we need universal health care. Then people would have so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe we should because we we spoke about this before we started recording, but maybe we we should bring this up as well because um, we interviewed Andre Stackhouse of Whole Washington. Um, I'm a huge fan of whole Washington. I've gotten petitions from you and your husband, Steve, to get signatures for the uh, universal healthcare initiative in Washington. So you guys have been huge advocates on that front. And then about the time that we interviewed Andre Stackhouse was when the Seattle city council had passed um, a resolution in support of universal healthcare. So that was in the state. And then it was like, you know, also in support of like a nationwide Medicare for all program and what that does is it just further boosts the the support to have like an official council representing, you know, so many people of the state saying, hey, this is what we want. And that sends a signal to um, the legislature. Um, it just builds support. So um, we had been talking about and I spoke with Kim Harless before, like, is this something the Vancouver City Council would do? You already told me, of course, this is something that you would love to um, put forward on the council. And on top of my list. Awesome. Awesome. And you, uh, you and Steve, your husband were in a recent documentary by Kenny Ballantyne. Yep. 
uh, called Healing Us um, that includes a lot of whole Washington members. Um, just about, I mean, a, a lot of it is, yeah, is just making the case for why we need single payer health care, you know, includes a lot of um, tragic stories about. We, um, we were one of them. them. I actually. That was one of our to, stories. Yeah, I actually didn't hear about your guys' story. If you want to share that, um, please do, because I, I actually um, I haven't listened. I haven't seen the whole documentary yet. I just saw the trailer. But yeah, so about four, four or five years ago, um, we were actually in a um, a meeting for housing, affordable housing um, on Main Street. And my husband was having a heart attack that night. He was ignoring it. So he went to the doctor. And the reason he ignored it is because at the time he didn't, his boss took away their insurance and I was in a temp job with temporary insurance, which I was paying weekly and it was considered affordable part of the affordable care act. So I'm, I was paying weekly. Well, he had his heart attack and unfortunately um, it didn't cover hardly anything. So we, he got, he got the heart attack. If he, he ended up having surgery Saturday night, they actually had to put a balloon pump in him to get him to the next hospital because the hospital, there was very few hospitals at that time that did open heart surgery. Uh, St. Vincent was one of the few hospitals that did it. We got him there. They, he was having a heart attack at that time. He had a surgery. So after he has a surgery, I, they bring me into the, um, administration office about our bill and they're like yep yeah, it's this it's this amount of money it was there was like pages and pages of all the costs of his his hospital stay and everything um in the end it was a hundred thirty thousand dollar medical bill, bill that we ended up getting stuck with they paid very little we also had a twelve hundred dollar um, ambulance bill from one hospital one from the doctor's office to the first hospital because they, he went in, he had EKG, he was having a heart attack then. They're like, we have to get to the student's hospital. They paid $200 out of a $1,200 bill. We paid the 1000 Then we had another ambulance bill that to get him from the one hospital to the next for the surgery was 3000 They covered none of that. They don't tell you when you're, you're sick that ambulances are separate entities from the hospital. So most ambulance bills don't, Get, get covered under your insurance. So we have, all, we had all of that. So we're still paying it off. And then, so that's why we told our story. Here's my husband having a heart attack. He has to have the surgery and we just had to pay the consequences and pay. We're, we're still paying. We're paying about 500 a month. We'll be paying on it for quite a while. So that's why we told our story. That's and absolutely was, horrifying. It's very horrifying. I mean, I had to make a choice. It's either I let him live or we pay the consequences in the end. So, yeah. So Kenny did a really good job doing the interview with us. It was really hard. But Bernie's a big reason why I learned about universal health care. If it wasn't for Bernie, I wouldn't even have known. And we were fighters. We were fighting for universal health care even before the heart attack. We were strong supporters. Very good. Well, yeah. And so we were talking about, uh, you and I were just talking about, um, you know, that documentary just came out 
um, there was a showing in Tacoma. It would be. We actually were there. And oh, you guys the were there? Mm-hmm. Oh, and we were on cool. the panel. Yeah. And it would be really cool to have a showing in Vancouver. Um, and you, you just said that, that Kenny would be willing to come down if we could arrange a showing in Vancouver and maybe we could, uh, yeah. you could ha- speak about your campaign there. Um, so yeah, any listeners that want to get involved in that, I guess, like message us and we'll connect you to Leah or, um, we, we should try to get something together for that. Cause that would be really, really awesome. Yeah. It's uh, on my list of things to do. Very cool. Um, yeah. is there. Are there any other issues or policy ideas or just anything else you want to say about why people should get involved or why you're running? Well, I'm running because I, I actually want to be the voice of the community. We've been listening to people for a long time and what they're going through. One of the things that I just found out and Kim um, verified it. I didn't know that the police only give the homeless people 72 hours before a sweep happens. That's not enough time to get those people out of the, to safe spaces. So that's one of the things I work. So I'm working with an organization called um, collective Coove Coove collective. I believe it is. They, their job, what they're, they've been doing is they've been going down and helping the homeless people find places before the sweeps happen. And 72 hours is not enough time for them to get all those people to safe havens and be able to help them protect their belongings. So that's another thing that I think we need to really, as a city council member, I'd really be looking at that because we really need to be giving those people more time. Those are their homes. Those are their belongings. They don't choose, not everybody chooses to live on the streets. So I don't understand. People think that it's just all mental health issues. There's people that probably are on the streets because of COVID, because they lost their jobs and their insurance. Or they're There's medical so many, debt, or we don't have any money. Are they medical debt? <laughs> or they are their 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 rent was increased so high that they couldn't afford it. There's so many reasons why people are homeless. That and climate. If we don't do something now, it's going to be too late. And I don't feel like the city council is moving fast enough in that direction, but they keep bragging about this strong climate action plan, but it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. If we don't get rid of the municipal code, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Like a framework is just a framework. Like if you're not going to fulfill that framework, you know, exactly. Sorry. I, I feel like, I feel like, because it is supposedly a strong action plan um, that people kind of like, myself included, just kind of go, like, oh, they're they're doing a good job. They've got it. That's what I thought too. I thought, oh, they're doing a good job. Yeah, and I started doing my we, research. We stop paying attention, and then you know, fuck. I know. I and then another big issue that I have right now is the multifamily tax exemption, which gives developers tax breaks in order and in return they beautify the city like one developer from my understanding got a tax break at the um what is it the where the snow this the armory because they're building an art museum that money should be going to affordable housing (laughs) not an art gallery i mean yes if somebody a nonprofit wants to build an art gallery that's fine but don't be giving developers tax credits so that they can, you know, gentrify the the city. 
but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, there's going a lot of work to be done. And right now my focus is just to get involved and stay involved in the community and bring more people in and hear what they have to say. Um, so one of the things I'm doing on Sunday is I met with the Sikh um, community and there's a lot of businessmen, business owners there that own gas stations and markets. Well, right now, what they're experiencing is the city of Vancouver police are not doing anything about people breaking into their businesses. So we're actually going to be meeting with the chief of police on Sunday. I've invited Kim Harless with me. So we're going to be sitting with the Sikh community and how better to address that because they they're okay. They want to, they, they're okay with people having food stuff. They just don't want people stealing alcohol and cigarettes and breaking, you know, destroying their property. They actually, the Sikh community actually feeds thousands of people on a weekly basis. They built a community. I don't know if people know that, but they built a commercial kitchen so that they could feed people who need food and anybody and everybody can go there and have a hot meal. So I'm going to be meeting with them with the police officer and figure out how we can solve this issue. Oh wow, that's super interesting. They had worked. They had reached out to Vancouver Free Fridge, who I organize with, um, about bringing some of their their food to our fridges. But uh, we kind of fell off on that. So that's like that's really good information. Um, well, I'm your connection. I um, Pot Neat, who has is part of the Sikh community, is actually helping my campaign. Um, he's a small lo local businessman. He's actually doing all of our printing. So I'm using, uh, a, a local, um, printer. He is unionized and he's doing all my printing. Oh, very cool. Okay. I'm so excited. I'm supporting him. He's supporting us. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, I do want to say like, I, we have interviewed candidates before and I just really appreciate how frank you are. It seems like you don't beat around the bush about anything and you're just being genuinely genuine in answering the questions, how, you know, how you really you're not calculating anything as you I see. I see too many people hurting. Mm -hmm. it, they're hurting. I mean, we, me and my husband, if we were to buy a house now, we would not be able to afford a house. We were fortunate. We bought a house 25 years ago and houses weren't expensive like then. We paid one hundred and twenty-eight thousand for a two hundred thousand, two thousand square foot home. You can't even touch a five five hundred square foot home for anything near that. Yeah, we, we need that to get. Note. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> You're fine. It just it, it just breaks my heart when I see all these people hurting and not making decent wages and not having health care and worrying about the climate and the fires. Yeah, and I think just just like radical truth telling radical truth telling goes a long way you know i mean i think that's why the bernie sanders campaign was was so popular because he was like saying shit that none of the politicians would actually say out loud everyone's just like so afraid of their own shadow or they're you know actually corrupt you know and yeah it's just it's really refreshing i think that's exactly what we need and i think that's what's going to bring a lot of people to your campaign um that you're really just telling it like it is and um you know, you're advocating for things that you really believe in. So I really win or lose, I'm going to stand. For, I, I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to stand for the community and what they're going through. And I'm not going to waver from that. I'm not going to cave to the builders association or the, or the realtors 
It's a grassroots campaign. I'm running as a progressive and that's who I am. And that's who I'll always be. Amen. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's why I want to be the other voice on the city council with Kim Harless. Cause she's on the same page. I am. Yeah. That's why I supported her. Yeah. No, Kim is like, I've God. Kim, Kim, the Kim campaign was like the, one of the proudest things I've ever been involved with. I was so proud that she won. I was I really was sad that Jesse lost because he would have yeah. done a great job on the county council. But we did get Kim got on the, the city council. And I will fight for anybody who runs for county council that will be a progressive and a progressive voice. Yeah. Yeah. We need we need to change. We need to change the dynamics of our community. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am curious, like, because you're you're you go out you, for all these candidates you you support, you hit doors. Um, if you've got like city council on your plate, should you win? Will that have to be kind of uh, dialed back or are you still going to be out there like? I'm not going to change who I am. Hell yeah. I'm not going to change who I am. Hell yeah. So like, and I don't think the mayor is going to like me on the city council. <laughs> Well, that... I, 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 I think she's done an injustice to the community. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I think no, we could no. have better representation sitting on the council for mayor. Yeah. And don't apologize because nobody else would say things like this. They wouldn't like, they would be worried about like how they were coming across, how their votes were going to be like, they, they like, Carissa was getting at. They would be calculating like their image as a candidate while they're sitting here talking to us rather than. Or even if they mean well, it's like, oh, well, who's going to come after me if I actually just tell it how it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so and- I, I, how I feel is we're going to win it at the doors. What I am good at is going to the doors and talking to the people. I have canvassed hundreds of doors a weekend during the week for all the candidates that I've supported. And that's how we're going to win. I've got a strong team. Thank you, Philip, for joining our team. We have, we have a lot of people. We have probably about 10 volunteers that are ready to hit the doors. And I, from my understanding, that's not Sarah's strong point. So we're going to hit the doors and we're going to hit the communities that are being ignored. And that's how we got Kim elected because we went to the communities where people are ignored. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. They need to have a voice and they need to trust that the person they're electing for city council is going to fight for them. Yeah. And how can people help at this juncture? Do you have a Um, website yet or anything? Yes, we, we do have a website. It's www.leahperkle.com. We already have yard signs. What? We will be, yes, we already have yard signs. Um, We will be getting our, we get our lit tomorrow. And we have our kickoff on June 14th at Lewitt at 5 p.m. And everybody and anybody is welcome to come. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So you said June 12th is that community forum. That- yeah, June 12th is the community forum. Okay. And, June- and then yep. June 14th is your is my kickoff, kickoff. Lewitt. Yep. Very exciting. Oh my gosh, we should get this podcast out right away. <laughs> cool. And, yep. I I have a campaign manager. I have a treasurer. Dorothy Gasquet is my treasurer. I've got Lyndon Walls, um, who's part of the LGBTQ community because I support LGBT. I will be at Pride in the Park. Michelle Wallace designed my sign. Philip will know who she is. Yeah, she's a she's a we have a grassroots campaign. Everybody's been stepping up and 
supporting us and volunteering their time. Dorothy volunteered to be my treasurer. Michelle's been doing all my design work. So yeah, it's a, it's a grassroots campaign. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting and so refreshing. And we will, yeah, we'll link uh, your website in the show notes and remind people about um, those dates. And oh my gosh, so awesome. Thank you for talking to us. Yep. And then <laughs> um, for the night. And Collective Couve has invited me to have a table at their event on June 17th, that um, Living Hope Church. So I'm going to be there. They're, they're actually working with Chair House and different organizations um, canning out hygiene products and, um, just handing out stuff for the community and being there for everybody. So I'm really excited that they invited me and they're actually supporting my campaign. Very cool. Hell yeah. Very cool. Indeed. It's all about grassroots. Yes. Yes. Come gather around people wherever you to the bone if your time to you is worth saving then you better start swimming on your sink like a stone for the times they are changing come writers and critics who prophesize with your pen and keep your eyes wide the chance won't come again and don't Still in spin. There's no telling who that it's naming. For the loser now will be later to win. For the times they are changing. Come, senators and congress people, please heed the call. Don't stand. Now 